Hawks Insiders, home of quality analysis, special features, match recaps, interviews, and so much more. Follow us on Substack for extended coverage of all things brown and gold. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Hawks Insiders Sunday night special after um, Hawthorne's 9-13-67 win by three points over the Western Bulldogs, who were 9-10-64. This is our player ratings pod. Joined this evening, which will drop in your uh, feed tomorrow morning by the one and only Darren Levine. Darren, welcome to you. How are you? I'm good. Yeah, always good after a win. It's been a terrific weekend of sport um really with Matildas and then Hawthorne obviously the only blemish is Everton Premier League but, back you know that Premier League back for you which is generally generally good every week uh as a City fan but how yeah. does it go for you does oh uh, well you know you can always you can always rely on um Everton ruining your weekend so I was fully expecting that to happen but um otherwise yeah just just incredible to see this late season flourish from the Hawks it absolutely is. And, um, you know, I think one of the biggest things, and we'll get into the players individually, but one of the biggest things that I took away from this, um, even heading into it, was it's so hard for young teams, young, young inexperienced teams to come up against good sides back-to-back and perform two weeks in a row or multiple weeks in a row. So we knew that, um, you know, the pies, we geared up, geared ourselves up for the pies. That was the grand final of the sort of last month of the season. Um, you know, and there's probably a lot of pats on the back and, you know, drinking the you know, bathwater a little bit. There was a very real possibility and almost probability that this game could have been, you know, could have gone the other way. So to say, so to speak. So, um, for the Hawks to come out, even though they got jumped early, to come out and fight their way back into it, and you know, really win the last sort of three quarters overall, was uh, speaks a lot about the character, the belief, the um, you know, the in- internal strength and the development of this young group. Um, you know, what what were your key takeaways from that perspective? Yeah, I totally agree. And I think I think um let's also not um sort of you know downplay the talent in this group. You know, the dogs are a really good team. Um, you know, they've they've got they've got really amazing they've got amazing players on, on every line. They've got probably the Brownlow medal medalist in Bontempelli in the midfield that also includes Trelaw and um, you know, Liberatoria as well. So, you know, Bailey Smith. They've got a they've got a super team, and so let's not downplay this performance back to back against two really really good teams in in the finals hunt as well. The dogs had a lot on the line today. Heaps. Um, it was not a dead rubber by any stretch of the imagination. So to go back to back against those two teams just proves that this Hawthorne team's coming. It's not a it's not a fluke. It's not um, a win out of nothing anymore. Um, and I think the the rest of the AFL is taking notice. Certainly, the 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 tone of the commentary and the AFL media it's changed, um, hasn't it? It has changed absolutely. It's um, nice to hear. It is it is nice to hear for a change. Disconcerting, but nice. Yeah, and you know it's going to be really nice to hear Damien Barrett um, eat humble pie this week. It's I'm really looking forward to that happening. 
A dollar one, and neither of us are betting men does, but a dollar one says he doubles down or triples down. Or what is it? Quadriples down? What's he up to now? Yeah. Oh, geez, I've lost count. I think it's, um, you know, but it's it's a form of tanking. Form, yes, that's right. So I yeah. think that gets his get out of jail card every week. Um, well, at least I think he thinks it's his get out of jail card every week. That's it. All right, let's get into it. I'll I'll chat a little bit about the team stats overall, and then we'll get into the individual player ratings. Daz, I know you love rating players, um, so we will really make it a point um, tonight. Just the two of us, we're going to deep dive. So the Hawks, uh, as I said, they won the match by three points, uh, 9-13-67 to 9-10-64 dominant across most of the stats uh 417 total disposals for the hawks 296 for the dogs uh 242 kicks to 196 kicks 175 handballs to 100 uh, all in favor of the hawks inside 50s the hawks uh 50 the dogs 43 Hawthorne's disposal efficiency was um, 7.5% better than the Dogs. The Hawks at 79.1%, which is very good. That's 5% above their average. And the Dogs, 71.6%. Um, the efficiency inside 50, 52% to the Hawks, up from their season average of 457 uh, and 44.2 for the Dogs. 19 free kicks to 10 in the Hawks' favour. Andrew Weiss, where are you tonight? Can't have any complaints there. Uh, I think there was also like, a, I think maybe the third quarter when the Hawks were running hot, it was something like 13 free kicks to one or something like that. I think I might have seen on on Twitter. So that's an incredible stat. Um, hit outs, 44 to 38. Um, thanks in no uh, small part to Ned Reeves. We will talk about him later. 36 clearances to 30 in favor of the Hawks. Eight center clearances to 10. So we dropped off in the center clearances comparatively to last week, but we're still able to get the job done around the stoppage where they won 28 to 20. Um, contested possessions, they they won 125, 112. Uncontested was a considerable thumping because of the way that they moved the ball. Had less turnovers than the Dogs um, and majority possession, 130 marks to 89. 12 marks inside 50 and to 11 and 13 contested marks to 15. And we'll talk about some of the contested marks later. Let's get into the individual player stats for this game. Number one is Harry Morrison off the back of his best game for the season last week against the Magpies. Uh, Harry uh, had 21 disposals, 12 kicks, nine handballs, six marks, four tackles. He went at 81% disposal efficiency. Uh, He had five turnovers, four score involvements, uh, 293 meters gained. He had three inside fifties and one stoppage clearance. Daz, your thoughts on Harry Morrison's uh, second game back in the lineup? Yeah, look, I think he, um, I think he's, his stinted box heel was really a wake up call and, He's um, working his way back into this team. It's hard to see him coming out really at this point. Thought he laid a really tone-setting tackle in that first quarter, 
um, turn the ball over a little bit at times. And, you know, I think, I think he's got a, he'll probably acknowledge that um, there were cert- certain circumstances where it could have hit up, hit up a target better. Some of the forward 50 entries were a bit loose to say the least, but um, I'm, I'm feeling really good about where Harry's at right now. He's got a, another year left on his contract and he's an important player to this team. He offers some seniority. It's a good balance with him on the one wing and, and Wardy on the other. So um, yes, not, not as good as the, the week prior, but, another solid outing for Harry for sure. So I'm going to give him a six and a half. All right. Mitch Lewis, uh, Hawks, number one key forward, 12 disposals, six kicks, six handballs, six marks, two tackles. He kicked one goal, one. Uh, Mitch had five score involvements. All of his six marks were uncontested. Uh, 143 meters gained. Uh, two tackles. I think I mentioned that already. Um, and that was about it of note. I, I'll go on to speak about Mitch. I feel like this was um, a bit of a down week for, for Mitch. I mean, he presented incredibly well, I thought, you know, continued to present to the ball, um, but just didn't have the kind of impact that he has had in previous, in previous weeks. Um, wasn't as dangerous around the, around the goals. Um, you know, didn't, it just didn't, it didn't sit for him. And, you know, last time he was down in Tassie, I think he kicked six against the Eagles. This is obviously a very different um, defensive lineup and, and opposition. So, you know, I don't think anybody was expecting him to come out and, and bang another half dozen, but um, you know, he kicked the one goal one. I think it was just a solid performance for Mitch. I'm going to rate him a five and a half out of 10. John Newcomb. Um, I mean, we could save this for last, but this is one of the single um, best performances by an individual player in the brown and gold this year. 40 disposals, a career high for Jai. 19 kicks, 21 handballs, 12 marks, four tackles, a 55-meter bomb uh, goal. Jai had, he had it 40 times and he went at 85% disposal efficiency. He had one turnover. Uh, two goal assists, 10 score involvements, 500 meters gained, five clearances, three at the center out of our, out of the team's eight, two at the stoppage, uh, four tackles, four inside fifties, two rebound fifties, three one percenters. And he only attended well 15 center bounce attendances does wax lyrically about John, you can please. Oh, well, I mean, that was a complete midfield domination from Jai. Um, he was untackleable. Uh, you know, it, it was Ken Cunning, uh, Cunnington levels of um, Ken Cunnington. Um, <laughs> I think you mean Ben, but... Ben Cunnington levels of untackleability at points. That's another word I made up. And he just... The players were just bouncing off him. Everyone's probably seen the, the Cody Waitman gif. Like he's just got cement shoulders and I would love to see the broken tackle stat in that game because he was just it felt imp- like there was heaps, right? There were heaps and he was embarrassing really good players too. Bailey, he embarrassed Bailey Smith there on the wing in that, that one oh encounter gosh. just sold him about four different types of candy and God, it was, <laughs> you, you look at a game like that and you think if he can put that together every single week, there's this, there is no ceiling. And we're no. talking a lot about ceilings because uh, a, 
a former player that will go unnamed has said that he has reached his ceiling, but every week he uh, raises the ceiling even even higher. And this was the best game of his career, quite clearly. And it was just pure domination and against a really good midfield too, which is mm. which is scary. So it's how do you how do you give anything but a ten? Yeah, I I mean I don't think you can. That's a complete midfield performance. And you know there was goals, there was goal assists, there was you know everything that you would want from a midfielder in that performance. Um, and he led from the front. And yeah, was just the dominant player on the ground. So absolutely back that 10 up. Uh, Jarman Impey uh, had 11 disposals. He had 18 disposals. Sort yourself out, Danny. Um, 11 kicks, seven handballs, five marks, a tackle. Uh, Went at 78%. Disposal efficiency. He had four turnovers, three score involvements, 192 meters gained and had two inside 50s and two rebound 50s. I thought Jars was solid yet unspectacular, and I think the stats kind of bear that out. Um, I thought he did a few, you know, had a few positive impacts on the game overall. Wasn't one of the Hawks' better players, but an important sort of cog in the chain or link in the chain, I should say, and mixing my metaphors. Um, We're just making all sorts of stuff up tonight, Daz. But um. Yeah, I thought he was he was solid without being um, spectacular. I'm going to give him a 6 out of 10. Moving on to the other milestone man, um, James Warple. Had, Warps had 25 disposals, 11 and 14. He had one mark, three tackles. He had seven clearances overall. Um, he, had, he went at 80% disposal efficiency for... Um, for warps, that's very good. He had a goal assist, uh, six score involvements, um, yeah, seven clearances, and they were all from the stoppage, none from the center. Uh, three tackles, six inside fifties. Daz, we were treated to Jai Newcomb's career game in his fiftieth. Wasn't quite James Warple's career game in his hundredth, but he was very good. Um, besides that. Absolutely. And it was terrific to see him get that goal as well. Um, well deserved. And uh, you, you can't ask for a better 150th game than that. I think just those two are developing a really great um, relationship too. I feel like there's a lot of synergy between them and um, they're part of a midfield that is just really exciting. It's exciting the competition. Everyone's talking about it now. Um, and just give him the contract. Uh, he's he's just so... You just can't see how anyone else could slot into that midfield at the moment. And um, I think there's just like a, a, a really great balance between between those players, between Day and Walpole and, and Newcomb and Nash. It's just feeling like you pull one out and the whole thing would just be completely unbalanced. And they're playing a lot of footy together now. They're playing... Uh, week in, week out, they're developing that relationship. And yeah, Warps, Warps had another great game in the guts, does all the hard stuff. And I was just so happy for him to get on the score sheet today. So um, I'm going to give him a seven and a half. Our skipper, James Sicily, 22 disposals, 14 kicks, eight handballs, six marks, 
two tackles, uh, went at 82%, um, five turnovers. One of them was getting run down without having any peripheral vision whatsoever, any in-game awareness and not knowing. I think it was Riley West was right behind him in the goal square. Um, if anybody is an NBA fan that listens to this, that was as close to a Grand Theft Alvarado by Jose Alvarado of the um, New Orleans Pelicans as you will get in an AFL game, and that should never happen to another kick-out taker ever again. You cannot, cannot be caught like that, like James was. Danny, I don't get that reference because I don't watch NBA, but um, don't you have to clear out the space, in the clear out the square? Actually, actually, I don't know what the what the ruling is there or not. But he wasn't in the square when uh, Sicily took the or played on. He was out of the field of play. So I don't know if there's any rule that says you can't be behind the goals. I'm not sure. Yeah, there's a lot of conjecture on Twitter at the moment about whether West was um, in in the square when that happened. So yeah. Mm, something interesting something to keep an eye on we see all complain about it so we'll ask oh, him i'm later. sure yeah <laughs> anyway um so other than that one that one moment um sis had uh two contested marks out of his six he went at oh he had just under 300 meters gained at 297 um two rebound 50s and one inside 50 and you know was was really solid. I think you know whether whether that moment counts or not, or whether that moment was legal or not. Um, other than that, I thought he he marshaled the troops down there incredibly well. Um, I'm gonna say it again, and not to pick on Sam Frost, but this backline looks so settled with James Blank and James Sicily and Jack Scrimshaw playing in you know those key roles. Um, Sicily and Scrimshaw play bigger than what they are uh, or have been playing bigger than what they are. And the intercept marking that we have, as well as the good ball use when those, those two guys are in there just changes the dynamic of our back six. And I think, um, you know, Sicily is a huge part of that. He is on track for all Australian honors um, and they will be so well-deserved if and when he gets them. Uh, I'm going to give him a 7 out of 10 for leading this team uh, to a win against the Dogs. Now, Je Ned Reeves uh, does number 7 for the Hawks. Very interested to hear your take on Reeves. 10 disposals, 6 kicks, 4 handballs, 3 marks, 7 tackles. Now, I know you know this, Daz, because you do your research, um, but seven tackles, which is actually a team, the team high for any Hawthorne player today. Uh, and I think when that comes from your number one ruckman, that's a phenomenal effort. Um, Reeves um, also kicked a point. Uh, he went at 60% disposal efficiency. He had only the two turnovers, four score involvements. Um, all three of his marks were uncontested. But the biggest one, obviously, for Ned up against one of the premier uh, ruckmen in the competition in Tim English was he had 43 hitouts, um, and that was out of 81 ruck contests. So he won the vast majority of the contests that he was in um, and gave our mids fantastic first service again, Daz. Yeah, and, and, I, and I spoke about the midfield group and um, that sort of, dynamic and relationship that they're building and Reeves is a huge part of that 
Um, I know a lot of people were sort of bemused uh, as to why Reeves was selected over Meek. Myself uh, included. Yeah, and me too, yeah. um, uh, ahead of the Collingwood game. But, you know, there, there is a method to to the Mitchell madness and that was, you, you, you can see on a on a game like that why, um, to take it up to probably the All-Australian Ruckman and for the second time in a row beat him comprehensively because I think he pulled similar numbers against English in round seven. So just, yeah, the, the service he's supplying that midfield um, you know, there's there's, there's obviously a, a lot of work that John Newcomb does in breaking tackles and Will Day's got elite evasive skills, et cetera, but Reeves is giving them a lot of great service at the moment too. And, um, you know, I was happy that he had a shot at goal. He didn't nail it, but he did a lot of, he did enough around the grounds this time to 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 say that that, that game was nearly a complete rock performance. And Another great thing about Ned Reeves' game is he didn't do any kickouts, so comfortably beat Tim English in that department. There, I mean, let's just let's before you before you rate Ned Reeves, can we just talk about that for a second? Because how how is that allowed to happen with a minute on the clock? You're down by three, and your ruckman is taking a kick out. From the obviously from the goal square of your defensive goal square, a it gives you nobody to kick to on the wing, but b the man was running around like a headless chook. He had no idea where he was going. He had yeah. no idea what he was doing. And the whole time I was just like, "Thank God that is not our ruckman," because I would just be ripping my own hair out. Does well, it, it, there's, there may be an argument to say that it's a form of tanking. When you when you look <laughs> when you look at that sort of make your ruckman take your kick out. I don't know. I don't. I've got to watch the Bevo press conference to find out. Surely what happened he there. says something about that. He has to. I don't think it's something they practice in training. No, no. If it is, you'd be very concerned. But in saying that, if any coach in the AFL was going to practice something that abstract, it's probably Bevo, right? A hundred percent. Yeah. All right, so can we get a rating on Ned Reeves? Oh, seven for seven. Absolutely. One for each tackle. All right, uh, Carl Amon uh, is going to rank very highly for me. I just put that out there at the start. Um, not because I've been in Twitter wars over him, but because he was legitimately very, very good today. 24 kicks, eight handballs, 13 marks, a tackle, a tackle, a tackle, a match-winning tackle. Um, and the second week in a row, we've had one of those stand-up tackles where the opposition player runs at a hawk. And and both weeks, unheralded tacklers. Jack, Jack Scrimshaw last week, not known for his tackling. Carl Amon this week, not known for his tackling. And they have stood up when it mattered. And, they, and Carl did that today. And that went a long way to securing the win after all the good work the Hawks had put in previous. Carl also kicked uh, a beautiful goal on the run. He went at 91% disposal efficiency. And I think that speaks volumes as to why the Hawks brought him in. Um, something else that will is that he also had a, a mammoth 704 meters gained. Um, and, you know, if you're getting that many meters gained and you're going at 91%, that can only be a positive for the team. He did have the four turnovers, 
uh, but he had a goal assist and four score involvements as well. Um, and he had six inside fifties and six rebound fifties. So that speaks um, very much to how much he works across the ground. I am going to give Carl Amon an eight and a half out of 10. I thought he was superb. Daz, do you have anything to add on Carl? No. And that, that tackle that you mentioned was Scrimshaw-esque. Um, and, argu- and arguably, you know, momentum shifting as well, more important than the Scrimshaw tackle because that was sort of in junk time. Um, so who knows what would have happened if Carl didn't stick that tackle. Legitimately, um, they could have they gone up the end and kicked the winner. That's it. So, yeah, a, a really, he's been a great recruit. I think we can well, mostly all agree on that one. I think we all do. Uh, Connor Nash, our flying Irishman, 26 disposals, 13 and 13, which is an interesting split for Connor. Uh, Four marks, two tackles. He went at 73% disposal efficiency. He had five turnovers, four score involvements, 332 meters gained. He had eight clearances, two center clearances and six stoppage clearances two inside 50s and two rebound 50s. Daz, tell us what you liked about Connor's game this week. Yeah, you, you know, and I, you look at those stats and they're, they're pretty good, um, but I, I just don't think it tells the full story of Connor Nash's impact on that midfield. He's just, his, his body work and the, the presence that he has um, is really just such an important part of that, of that midfield group and, and, and the way that we structure up. So even though on the stat sheet it's not, oh, I mean it's 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 not his worst game, but um, I think he just does so much uh, off the ball or you know around the contest that um, you know is is unnoticed um, and won't won't register as stats. So I thought it was a I thought it was a great game and, and another key cog in this midfield. Um, so I'm going to give him a seven. Yeah, absolutely. He really is the the um, team's battering ram, isn't he? Blocking and checking and bumping and just creating space for the other midfielders to do their jobs. And um, like you said, it does. It doesn't show up on any stat sheet, but it would rank very, very highly in terms of what the coaches are looking for from their midfield unit. So, um, yeah, kudos to Connor Nash. He has turned himself into a legitimate AFL uh, midfielder. And, I mean, three years ago, who saw that coming? None of us. Um, Number 12 is Will Day. Uh, 24 disposals for Will. It felt like more. 11 kicks, 13 handballs, six marks, three tackles, kicked one goal, one, and his one goal got us on the board and was fantastic. Again, another one of those moments of Will Day class. Not many players we have that can do what he did there. Uh, He went at 71%. Disposal efficiency had five turnovers, a goal assist, five score involvements. Um, Only played 86 minutes out of 117 with that, which I feel like is interesting. That's about a quarter that he sat on the bench, which is interesting. Um, He had 13 pressure acts, uh, 368 meters gained, five clearances all from the stoppage. Uh, and five inside fifties. Um, there was a very good game by Will. It wasn't a spectacular game by Will, but I think he was a really important um, cog in the in the wheel or cog in the chain, whatever it is. I keep butchering that <laughs> metaphor. I'm just going to stop. I will not say that again tonight, Daz. But um, 
Yeah, Will was very impressive, wasn't he? And the way that he goes about it, the way that he uh, attacks the contest, the way that he kind of, uh, I've noticed more and more in, in the last few weeks, especially, he kind of runs at the pressure um, and then finds a way to get out of it, knowing that once he clears that initial pressure, he generally has space to make a decision. Uh, and I feel like that that's uh, a really interesting tactic that not many players can get away with. Uh, and Jai does it as well, but Jai does it knowing that he's got the strength to fend off. And that's why he's got all those broken tackles, but Will does it knowing that he has the creativity to, to sort of navigate that, that challenge. So um, really interesting sort of, um, I guess, little, little thing to keep an eye on with Will in the, in the last in the last couple of weeks of the season, I thought he was fantastic. Uh, I'm going to give him a seven out of 10. Um, Daz, do you have anything to add on Will? Oh, I thought he was, I thought he was like an eight at least. I, I thought that was one. And of you his... normally underrate him. I know. I normally underrate him. I All thought right. He was let's go eight. Just. You don't, <laughs> have to, you don't have to win me over. You were, rate, you were rating him. You yeah. can, you can keep it at seven and deal with uh, the Twitter hate. But no, um, I'm, not doing, I'm not ready for that. <laughs> I think I think just you, you nailed it though, Danny. In terms of Jai will get out of a bad situation through brute force, and Will's just got this level of creativity in seeing little gaps and ways out of traffic that is just so innate and mm. um, and so creative and so intelligent. Um, he's he's his ev evasiveness and the the way that he'll kind of do a pirouette out of out of traffic or out of a, a, a really congested situation. Um, it's just a, a gift that he has really. Um, and that, that first goal I think was uh, exactly that, just seeing a little, a little gap and exploiting it and getting us on the scoreboard and really kickstarting the game. So I thought it was, yeah, it was poetic to watch him at times, poetry in motion. Absolutely. Um, I'm going to put this out there before we move on to um, Dylan Moore. If anybody wants to jump on the Will Day is going to be better than Noah Anderson train, it is at the station. It is ready to depart. I am leading the line. I'm the I'm the captain of that train, the conductor. I think that's what it's called. Um, you've got about a week, a week and a half, I think, before Will blows this thing open and proves me to be right uh maybe a bit longer than that but um yeah hit us up on twitter if you are on the will day is better than noah anderson train does i expect to see you in the first carriage oh, i love soon. them both i i want Noah anderson at the hawks more than anything so that's a real tough one for me yeah i i feel it i think that the, the toughest thing and that's probably a sliding doors moment right like an actual sliding doors moment that if uh if uh, noah's dad had have played, you know, the 11 or 13 games that he, that he needed to, to qualify. We never would have had Will Day come to the football club because that pick that we used for Will Day would have been eaten up in a matching a bid for Noah Anderson. So, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm very happy with how it's played out as much as I would love to have Noah Anderson in our team. Um, yeah, there's a, there's a little bit of, there's a little bit of magic in Will Day's boots. It's funny though, because if you are going back to that that draft year, I think we're all scratching our heads at that selection. Why yeah. are we picking a wiry half half back flanker half back. Um, when we need our, our midfield at that time was just in dire need of some young talent? So hasn't he all 
shown us up really. I think we all thought he could transition into the, the midfielder that he is today, but he's far surpassing my expectations. Yeah. And just goes to show, you know, whether it's Will Day with, uh, with that pick or Josh Weddle with pick 18 last year, our, our recruiting team have a very good eye for long-term um players in terms of their long-term uh, viability as a player at the AFL level. Uh, and it's not just about what they look like in their first year. And I think we need to keep that in mind, um, especially as we go and chat later about Denver Granger Barras. Um, you know, I thought he showed some signs today and, you know, and, 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 you know, any young player, don't, don't be quick to write them off. Um, don't be quick to sort of pigeonhole them or put them in a box because, um, you know, the, these guys have drafted with the long term in mind, not the not round six in their first year. So, um, Will's just proving um, Mark McKenzie and his team c- correct every week. Now, Dylan Moore, our vice captain, twenty four disposals. Uh, he had fifteen kicks, nine handballs. He had six marks. Um, where, where are we? He had six marks. He had four tackles. He kicked one goal, one. Um, he got, I think he got hit around the head about 17 times. Um, he had four turnovers. He had a goal assist, six score involvements, a uh, couple of marks inside 50, 319 meters gained, uh, a single clearance, two tackles inside 50 and two inside fifties. Does Dylan Moore is back. Uh, his second half of the season has been very good. How did you see his game this week? He is back and he's really flying under the radar for me a little bit. He's put together a very, very good month of footy, a mm. uh, month and a half of footy. Um, and yeah, he he's back to the elite Dylan Moore that, that we had very high hopes for at the start of the season. I think he was maybe, you know, that sort of interim captaincy was just, it was just a bit too much for him. And he's just concentrating now on his own game and he's just impacting he he just has a knack for turning up everywhere. Um, there were times when he was in the back pocket. I was like, "What is what's he doing there?" But he he impacted a situation and got us out of trouble. Um, I love the goal that he kicked. Just like taking it out of God's hands and going literally out of I his got hands. This. He just <laughs> pulled it out of his hands like I've got this, mate. Um, I, I don't. I don't know if there's like a rule against that. I, was thinking, I feel like that's illegal, honestly. Surely you can just pull the ball out of someone's hands and kick, I don't know. It's not an goal. illegal disposal. No, no, but it, but Cosy did get a hand in there anyway. Mm. But um, yeah, it's it, it was a very very well rounded solid game from Dylan Moore, and he 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 got a lot of the footy. He's, he's the knock on Dylan Moore is that sometimes he'll disappear. Um, from games and from quarters, but it was yeah, it was, it was a it was a great four quarter effort. Um, so I'm going to give him a seven and a half. Absolutely. Um, speaking of players that are well and truly back, back in the team the last few weeks, Jack Scrimshaw, seventeen disposals, eleven kicks, six handballs, seven marks, two tackles, ninety four percent in the defensive half, as you'd expect. 88% disposal efficiency, as you'd expect. He had the single turnover. Um, he had six intercept possessions, um, a score involvement. He had seven, as I said, seven marks. Three of them were contested, Daz, which I think is huge. 
Um, he had th- just under 300 meters gained, um, two tackles. Uh, one of them was, if I remember correctly, and I can't remember who it was on, maybe Tim English actually. And it was a kick by Jack Scrimshaw inside 50 that was misread by Reeves who thought it was for him. It wasn't. And it sort of came back out and they were about to break and Scrimmer just said, nah, not today and wrapped up English and, and held it back. So, um, you know, really important uh, timing. He had five one percenters, uh, two inside fifties and a rebound 50. I thought playing as a, a basically a third key tool and like rotating on Jamari Hagen a little bit. I saw him at times on Norton and at times on Rory Lobb. For a guy who doesn't, even though he's sort of key position size, he doesn't play as a key position player generally. He's more of a flanker. I thought he was incredibly impressive. I thought that was one of his better games because we know when Jack gets the ball, he uses it well. But his defensive efforts, his marking in the contest, his uh, desperation in the contest. um, There was one time I was thinking of, I uh, can't remember what court it was, um, but the doggies were uh, kicking to the left of screen. Um, the ball was kicked over the top of Jamari Hagen's head uh, and Scrimshaw came from the side of the, of the picture, came in, killed the contest, got the ball out of bounds and probably didn't, didn't have the right to um and and his intensity at the contest his intensity at the man was just really really good and i think that is some of the things that you know the hawks would have wanted to see that mitchell would have wanted to see him go and work on at box hill um and you know showed again i think how important he is to this side and to the hawthorne squad overall so uh, i'm going to give scrimmer a seven and a half out of ten and i thought he was very good does do you have anything to add on jack no, I back that rating, and yeah, I, I also noted the um that that crucial one-on-one duel against Jamara. Um, and there were times where Jamara beat him. That's just part of footy. But I thought, hey, Jamara is a really tricky customer, a really tricky person to defend. Um, and that one-on-one contest was do or die. And he um he he as you said, he had no right to win that, and he did. And mm. I'm just so happy that he's playing well again because it would be devastating for Jack Scrimshaw to to be trade bait at the end of the season. Um, I, I just want him at the Hawks long term. Absolutely. I just feel like we're a much better side when he is in it. So, you know, from that perspective and that perspective only does. Um, yeah, that, that too. I'm just, um, I'm just a massive Jack Scrimshaw stand. Yeah. So yeah, no, nah, I feel you. I feel you. And, and, and we just love, Hawks supporters playing for the Hawks, right? Like that's, that's, there's something that, you know, sits a nice part in your heart. Now, Blake Hardwick, 22 disposals, uh, 15 kicks, seven handballs, 11 marks, a tackle, um, one turnover, 82% disposal efficiency, six intercept possessions. He had three score involvements. Two of his 11 marks were contested. Phenomenal effort for a small man. 230 meters gained. Uh, He had a stoppage clearance. He had three rebound 50s and three one percenters. Daz, what did you like about Blake Hardwick? What did you like about Blake Hardwick's game? 
Well, I'm going to counter that um, all those stats with someone else's stats to just show Please. you how good the game because was. he is the Cody Waitman killer, isn't he? Yes, and he's done it again. Cody Waitman, five disposals, three kicks, two handballs, zero marks, one tackle, zero zero. So another Destroyed absolute him. masterclass from Dimmer, and he used the footy so well. He's so hard at it, um, and yeah, it was just a, a, a brilliant defensive performance um, from Dimmer. He's he's, ha- he's also had a really good month um, for sure. So, yeah, I'm going to give him a uh, seven and a half. I thought he was terrific. Now, we are not going to rate Chad Wingard on this pod, um, but from everybody at the Hawks Insiders, we wish Chad all the best in his recovery from what looks like a fairly nasty Achilles injury hoping the Hawks do the right thing and at least give him a one-year contract and help him get back up to speed. 30 years old, he's probably been in, well, he's definitely in the form of the season. He's probably been in in the form of his Hawthorne career the last sort of three or four weeks. Um, You don't want to see serious injuries happen to anybody. You definitely don't want to see them happen to senior players who have a cloudy future. Um, so yeah, from everybody at Hawks Insiders, we wish you all the best, Chad, when you listen to this, um, speedy recovery, and we hope to see you back out on the field in the brown and gold next year sometime. Uh, Luke Bruce, 11 disposals, eight kicks, three handballs, one mark, three tackles, kicked one goal, one. He went at 64% disposal efficiency, uh, had three turnovers, three score involvements, uh, 270 meters gained, uh, one tackle inside 50 and two inside 50s as well. Um, it was a solid outing for Brewsty. Um, just the one goal, which is a little bit unheard of of him in terms of his form uh, of late. But um, yeah, it wasn't a prominent role, Which, but I think that's a good thing, Daz. I'm going to throw to you. I, I'm giving him a... a five and a half out of 10. Um, but I think it's a good thing that we're not relying on him to kick bags of goals for us to get a win. No, exactly. And, you know, this was Luke Bruce is really at the stage of his career now where he should just be making cameos and not being the the main man up forward. And it's awesome when he kicks six goals, but if we're relying on Luke Bruce to kick six goals every week, I think that's not good for our rebuild. Um, He's out there to provide senior leadership and and teach teach the kids how to how to play and how to be professional footballers. And you know he will have games where he'll kick six goals, and then he'll have games where he'll kick a goal. But I think he still made a lot of impact um, around the forward line. And that you know the the our forward pressure was off the charts this game, and I think he's he had a lot to do with that. Mm. Now I'm super excited, Daz, that you and I are on this pod. Um, because this is the Jacob Kaczynski vindication pod. Um, Cozzy, one of probably the only two defenders in the Hawks insiders, you and I, um, 16 disposals for Cozzy, nine kicks, seven handballs, eight marks, two tackles. He kicked one goal too, probably could have been a little straighter. Um, Had just the two turnovers had eight score involvements, Daz. Out of his eight marks, five of them were contested, uh, which is just incredible from, you know, a man who has been described by someone as having, what is it? 
feet of slate and hands of concrete. I think I've heard on doing the rounds on Twitter. I hate four, that. Four of his marks were inside 50. Um, he was a serious, serious presence at the footy all day. Can you tell us about what I think is pretty clearly Cozzy's best game at AFL level? I think so. And, and he's had games where he's kicked five goals. So mm -hmm. for him to take five contested marks, and um, I've never seen his hands better than that. He just, everything he was he was going for, he was clunking. And we often talk about Cozzy being a great foil to Mitch Lewis. I think Cozzy was the main man today. Um, I gonna, yeah. I, I just want, I don't mean to interrupt your flow. I think he was the best forward on the ground. He was. It was. It was an Aaron Norton esque performance from Cozzy. Yeah, kicking included. That's it. Yeah, kicking included. Um, waiting for Kelly Underwood to give him some sort of ridiculous nickname, but um, he yeah he was he was dominant. He did everything what you know we've, we've been crying out for from Cozzy for a long time, and um, you know, and maybe he's feeling the the heat of Brandon Ryan coming into this this side and coming into um in into the selectors mindset and there'll be games where they only need two tools and he was staking his claim and really can't ask for more than that i thought he was absolutely terrific um and more of that please because he it just shows the talent that he actually has and the mm. he's de he's developing physically into into a really really um solid um uh, key, key position player and a rating. Oh, I'm going to give him a seven and a half. Yeah, unreal. Uh, now, another one of our young key position players that people are very keen to write off. Uh, Denver Granger Barras came in because I think on Saturday night, Brandon Ryan pulled out with illness. Uh, so Cozzy was held over from Box Hill. Um, he kicked nine. He had nine disposals, six kicks, three handballs, five marks, a tackle. He kicked one goal, one, 78% disposal efficiency, just the single turnover. He had three score involvements. He had one contested mark out of his five, two marks inside 50, 135 meters gained. He also had a tackle inside 50 and two inside 50s of his own. Um, does, I thought his, I thought his overall game, while the numbers aren't huge, was really promising. And I thought there were some real glimpses of a fairly natural forward there. Um, you know, hitting the hitting up the ground, presenting well at the football, taking some good marks, giving a really good option up the ground uh, for midfielders to kick to. Um, before I get your thoughts on Denver, I'm going to give him a six and a half out of 10. Uh, I thought he was very solid. Uh, did you have any other takes on, on DGB? Yeah, look, I think, I think it's a generous rating. Um, Probably. But I think, I think you're right. Like I think he did, he, he was crashing every single pack and he was bringing others into play um, and he was putting himself out there and he was you know, giving it a bit of, um, there, there was a bit of uh, sort of peacocking key, key position key uh, forward peacocking going on, which is what you like to see. He took his goal really well. Um, he's actually a really good set shot, Denver. Yeah, he looks a really natural set shot, doesn't he? Yeah, he does. And it's an interesting dilemma because we're talking about Jacob Kaczynski and Denver Granger-Barras 
back to back here and they were both drafted as as backmen so it's a bit of a robbing peter to pay paul situation with those two in that every game he plays as a forward is taking away i guess from his development um as a key defender or maybe this is all about teaching him forward craft so he can be a better defender um i'd prefer i always have said that i prefer him down back especially if ryan's fit uh, and I do believe that he's he if he's going to really live up to his promises in AFL football, it's not going to be as a forward. Mm. But um, he's contributing, and I think that's really all we can. He's he's playing and he's contributing, and that's all you can really ask for at this stage of his development. Absolutely, well said. Uh, now, number twenty-five for the Hawks is Josh Ward. Um, he had twenty-one disposals. 13 of those were kicks, eight handballs. He had seven marks, didn't lay a tackle. He went at 81% disposal efficiency, had four turnovers, but also had four score involvements, um, 388 meters gained. He had two inside 50s and three rebound 50s. Does um, didn't really go inside at all spent all of his time outside on the wing um but still managed to have uh, a bit of an impact on this contest yeah and i think you know amon coming back may have kind of limited his impact on the game a bit as yep. as opposed to last week um you know I, th- I think he probably you know 21 touches he was pretty involved but not not it just didn't feel like he made the same sort of impact last week but he's a terrific two-way runner and I think even when he's not um winning the footy he's impacting the play um by being by being in the contest being uh putting defensive pressure on getting back and 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 picking up a man so there's a lot of things to to Wardy uh, without him sort of doing obvious things where he's having an impact so I think he's coming along really nicely in his development and it's just great that he's getting a sort of late season run, um, which will dovetail nicely into the preseason. Yeah, and did you rate him or did I miss it? Oh, I'm going to give him a six, five and a half, actually. Yep, fair enough. It makes my uh, Denver Granger Brass rating look a little bit silly, but that's probably fair. I think, Denver's I, probably, I think Denver's probably more of five and a half as well, to be fair. But anyway... Um, Connor McDonald, number 31, the other of the draftees from that draft with Josh Ward that played, um, he had 21 disposals, 14 of those were kicks, seven handballs, five marks, a tackle. He kicked two behinds. He does love a goal, probably second to Dylan Moore. He loves a goal. So he'd be disappointed that neither of those were converted. He had five turnovers when at 71% disposal efficiency. Might have said that. Uh, six score involvements, uh, 552 meters gained, six inside 50s, two rebound 50s, and played all over the field, found the ball everywhere on the field. Um, actually played 56% in the offensive half and 44% in the defensive half, which I find really interesting for Connor McDonald, who plays predominantly as a high half forward. Um, His work rate was superb. And if you look at his heat map, he actually worked across from wing to wing as well. Uh, And he was involved in a lot of good stuff that the Hawks did as he generally is when he's up and about. Um, So I think that this was a really actually... 
uh, underrated and and fit, pretty impressive game for Connor. I think if he converts the two misses that he had, I think we're looking at this game and going, he's he's legitimately breaking out. You know, that's it. Sort of sit, would sit up there with the Brisbane Lions game, but. Um, I thought I thought he was really good. I'm going to give him a seven out of ten. That might be a little bit high, but um, I just feel he's right there on the precipice of going. Hey, you guys keep talking about John Newcomb. You guys keep talking about Josh uh, about Will Day. Don't forget about me. What do you reckon, Daz? Oh, I totally agree. And he was covering so much ground. That's the it's the one game where I I really did notice a different role for him. Um, he had a lot of free, you know, maybe, maybe he was given free reign to, to go where, where, where he was needed. Um, we talk about Will Day being deployed wherever there's, you know, when, whenever Sammy needs some, uh, sort of poise behind the ball or in certain spots, he's sort of a miss to fix it. And I think he's looking at Connor McDonald as, as the kind of next, uh, as sort of understudy to Will in that respect, he's just, um, deployed at various places around the ground at various contexts uh contests because um he he can he can impact those um i think i've said the word impact a million times in this pot um but it it was it was a great um sort of free wheeling game from him um and i think he he worked his butt off so agree with agree with your assessment danny yeah, I think I think the next step for for Connor is just to clean up his work a little bit. And uh, we said this about even still with Will Will Day, but I think you can really see it with Jai this year from last year is he's really put a lot of emphasis on being really clean with his disposal, with his decision making, and I think that's the next step for Connor once he gets to about 50 games as well, which he's not far off. It'll happen early next year. Um I just think he's he's ready to explode, and I think um, that's exciting for Hawks fans. Um, his work just needs to go into dis, you know making sure he disposes of it correctly. Um, the man who we're going to speak about next was given about thirteen different nicknames during the telecast. I think does um, Finn McGuinness. Played on a number of players, and I'm I'm going to probably get this wrong, so I'm hoping you can correct me, Daz. He started on Libba, then Libba was knocked out. He was moved to Bailey Dale for a little bit, I believe, and shut him down. He was moved to Ed Richards for a little bit and shut him down, and he played on somebody else who I can't remember. Do you do you remember who else he played on? I'm not sure. I think those three definitely right i'm not sure if who the fourth one was maybe we should mm. put it out to twitter but someone uh, i know yeah but um he Nick had Dacos, eight... i think actually and and i'm seeing some real tin hat stuff on twitter so oh afternoon. my goodness um the the finn mcginnis tags nick dacos nick dacos is injured finn mcginnis tags tom liberatore tom liberatore is injured there's lots of uh fingers in inverted making inverted commas going on in the in the zoom here but um what a joke i think finn's he, and i feel like he did this last year too right where his start of his season was really underwhelming but the back half of his season um saved his season and probably in this case saved his his career um he's proving 
incredibly valuable as a run with player. He he only had the eight disposals, three kicks, five handballs, three marks, but he had six tackles. He didn't turn the ball over. He went at 75% by hand and foot. He had a score involvement. Um, he only had 20 meters gained, um, but his intensity his ability to lock, lock down various types of players and just absolutely shut them out of the game is a sight to behold. Um, what did you what did you like and, and what did you make of Finn's game this week, backing up his phenomenal game against Nick Dacos? Well, I like the fact that he probably had put a lot of work into Libba um, mm. through the week and he's meticulous in his preparation, as we know. He probably put a lot of work into Libba. Obviously, that panned out in a way that no one expected with Libba coming off the ground. And then, you know, he's got another assignment and he just nailed every single one. So he either prepares for the, the possibility of tagging, tagging anybody, single, anybody <laughs> or he's just he's just a really, really brilliant player. He has a really, really brilliant defensive mind and athletic traits that allows him to play on anyone, really. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, it's such a weapon for us to have a player that can just be deployed on anyone and um, yeah. and limit and limit their potency. It's um, uh, he's really proving that he's he's part of this team and a really important part of it in a very different way to maybe what we imagined when we drafted him. And a rating. Oh, I was I was rating Finn. Um, I I'm think so. Give, I do Connor McDonald. So um, I'm going to give him a six and a half. Fantastic, uh, James Blank. I'll rate him because I don't want his score being up just because he supports a certain Premier League team. Uh, five disposals, two kicks, three handballs, two marks, three tackles. Um, he went at eighty percent disposal efficiency. He had just the one turnover, two intercept possessions. Um, 53 meters gained uh, and two one percenters. That was about it. But uh, I thought his overall game on Aaron Norton predominantly, a little bit on Lob, a little bit on Eugle Hagen, just because of how things sort of play out there, um, was very, very good. Again, Norton is a strong overhead player, really good um, focal point for the Western Bulldogs attack. Norton had 10 disposals and two behinds. Um, So I think the beautiful thing about James Blank is you kind of don't notice him, but then you also kind of don't notice his opponent. And that's fine for a fullback. You don't need a fullback to be Darcy Moore, who explodes from a contest and all of that sort of thing. You just need a fullback that's reliable and does a job. And and James Blank proven has proven in this back half of this year that he's able to come in and do a job that's required against much more heralded and much more vaunted um, players in the competition. And he can lower their colours really well. So I'm going to give Blank a six out of ten. Uh, I thought he was very very good. Uh, moving on to Josh Weddle, um, one of our absolute young studs. Uh, Weddle had 18 disposals, eight, uh, 10 kicks, eight handballs, eight marks, uh, 94% disposal efficiency, uh, only the two turnovers, six intercept possessions. He had a score involvement. 
um, 240 meters gained, five rebound 50s and two one percenters. He also had one inside 50. What did you make of Weddle's game, Daz? Well, he's just slotted in so seamlessly into that back line to the point where you just can't imagine it without him. Uh, I just can't see how he goes out of the side now. He's just, he's just been terrific since he's come in and he's just got so much. You kind of forget that he's played whatever, six or seven games. He's just got so much poise um, and obviously so much athletic ability and his ability to rebound fast out of the back line, take a running bounce. Um, yeah, it's just, it's just scary what he's going to, what he's going to turn into. And, you know, you just, I can see him impacting in different areas of the ground, but at the moment he's 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 giving a lot of balance to that to that back line. So he's just going on his merry way, and he could finish top five in the in the Rising Star this year. He probably won't because I don't think he gets noticed as much as some of the other big names. But um, he's making that pick eighteen look like an absolute bargain. So. Yeah, I'm going to give him a six and a half. Yeah, and I think just for some context, like this is a 192 centimeter kid drafted a pick 18 when last draft. He's played 15 games so far this year. And what do we have? Two more, two oh, more two, to go. Did I say seven? Yeah, 15. Wow. Yeah, that- and we've got two more to go. So he could he will probably play 17 games this year in a debut season. I just think that's a phenomenal effort for a guy who's above 190 centimeters. Oh, absolutely. And he doesn't, he doesn't look physically like anyone's. He doesn't look. He doesn't look like he's got heaps more development to go to to match it with some of the bigger bodies. He's he's a f- physically a, a a beast already. Yeah, yeah. And he's nineteen. Absolutely. Um, another nineteen-year-old is second gamer. I think second gamer Bailey McDonald, who came in earlier than he expected because of the wing guard injury. He was our starting sub. He had 15 disposals, nine kicks, six handballs, five marks. Uh, he was mistaken for Josh Weddle seven times uh, by Kelly Underwood. He had uh, 80% disposal efficiency, three turnovers, including one really bad one, um, where he's kicking out of defensive 50 to a stagnant, uh, man and uh, it was intercepted uh, by a Bulldogs player. Um, two score involvements. He had 212 meters gained. He had five rebound 50s. Um, Daz, I want to get your thoughts on Bailey in a second, but my my takeaway from this is that I think this is another draft class that the Hawks have really nailed. We've seen Cam McKenzie. We know what his ceiling looks like. He's going to be at worst, a very reliable 200-game player. Josh Weddle could be anything. Uh, we haven't yet seen Henry Husswaite because of a few like poor timed inju- poorly timed injuries and concussions, but he's played a really good season at Box Hill. Um, Jack O'Sullivan has done some things at Box Hill. Uh, Josh Bennett's has done some things at Box Hill. Uh, and then Bailey McDonald has come in, I think pick 54 or something like that, and does not look out of his depth at all at AFL level. Um, has the pace, has the confidence, has a fantastic mullet. Um, 
generally uses the ball pretty well, especially when he goes longer rather than shorter. I think he still needs to work on his short kicking, um, but doesn't look overawed at all. And this is a guy who didn't really come through standard pathways, played mainly school footy and a little bit late played for his NAB league or Coates league team. And um, I think might've got a, a, a championship game right at the end, but um knows how to use the weapons that he has, that pace, that dash, that run and carry, but also it doesn't look like he uh, is afraid of doing the dirty stuff, like the defensive stuff. Uh, and I just think super impressive young, young kid, two games in. Um, I'm going to give him a six out of 10, but I just want to hear your thoughts as well, Daz. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, obviously you, you focus on that arrow and I think he was trying to, kick it to Nash and mm. stuff that up. But he's not a he's not a wallflower. He didn't go into himself and he didn't um lose confidence. In fact, he actually just kept going from there. And that just says a lot about his character. And you know, I think with Seamus Mitchell out of the team right now, we we need that sort of dash out of the out of the out of the back line. And and he kind of yeah, he he provides that and looks like a Josh Weddle mini me at the same time. I was also getting confused between the two. You um, and Kelly both. That's it. Yeah. But I definitely didn't confuse uh, Luke Bruce and Ned Reeves, which is what happened on the telecast. That was that was a different one. Yeah. I'll never oh, do that. No, no. Um, all right. Well, they are the players. I want to hear your thoughts, Darren, on Sam Mitchell, who I think uh for you know the second week in a row had a really um really solid coaching performance he did and it, and it was a different win to the Collingwood game completely um different different way of setting up different game style deploying Finn to various people through the game I don't, I don't know if that's part of the plan but I think he adapted really well Sam Mitchell um the dogs were threatening to blow us away in that first quarter and made some adjustments and came out of it with a win. And, you know, I think he's really been drilling into the team too um, to, you know, that that momentum shift that we saw the with the Tigers. I don't think it's going to happen again. I think, I think that this team knows what to do and that it's, that's not an acceptable standard and he's driving really high standards amongst this group um, and the way that they're finishing this season, there's no, you know, you can just tell that the half, uh, a, a lot of play, a lot of teams where it's just dead rubber after dead rubber are thinking about postseason holidays, but these guys are really switched on and yep. they've all bought in, haven't they? They have, they've absolutely bought in and they know that the, the, the next two games are just part of the way on a journey. It's not mm. about, uh, the preseason that's coming up, um, they've all get, got their eyes on that. And next year, who knows what's going to happen? So um, it's just terrific to watch to watch them um, run the season out in the way that they have. Absolutely, Daz. I couldn't not. I couldn't have summed that up any better if I tried. So we will finish up on that note. Thank you so much, Darren Levine, for joining us. Thank you so much to everybody who listened and who continues to listen to the Hawks Insiders uh, via this medium. Thank you for reading our work. We will have a match recap out in the next 
couple of days. Uh, we hope you enjoyed listening to our breakdown of this game. Uh, we will be back at some time. It's probably looking like Thursday night this week for the spaces because we will not go head to head with the Matildas. I will definitely be watching the Tillies. Oh, me too. Me too. Um, so if we have a spaces this week, it'll probably be on Thursday. Keep an eye out for a decision, which will be communicated via Twitter on that one. Thank you so much for listening. We will chat to you soon. Thanks so much for listening to Hawks Insiders. Head to our Substack for more quality analysis, special features, news, interviews, and so much more.